Welcome to the Pastor Nick Santo Podcast, a podcast designed to help you live closer to Jesus. We hope that God uses it to encourage and empower you in His plan for your life. Now let's get into today's content. As he is uh, getting ready to go, it's his last words in, in the sense, it's his, the only words that we have recorded specifically of him, and that is his major emphasis and major concern. Uh, so we have come as far as talking about being patient in our temptations and our trials and tribulations. Uh, last time we were together, we talked about the importance of avoiding impurity, moral impurity, and James gave us practical understanding to avoid temptation and to overcome uh, the tests that come. Um, and, and then he told us, and we'll just back up to verse 16 of chapter 1, just in terms of picking up the context. He said, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, and of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So he's basically saying, he said, do not err or do not be deceived. And then, and then there's five things that he gave to us in terms of how to not err, go off course or be deceived. He said, value the gift of God. Don't forget that God doesn't change. He's, if, if something, I read something recently that said if, if something was a sin 100 years ago, it's still a sin today. <laughs> God doesn't change. There's no variableness. And then he, he says to us in very gracious terms, he says, open your ears, shut your mouth, and sit down. <laughs> be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's just gracious Christian. Just listen, close your mouth, and sit down. And then he says, turn from your sins, put aside every overflow of wickedness. And you guys know how there's those little things that, like those little volcanoes in our lives that erupt from time to time, uh, those things that we struggle with. And he says, get yourself away from it. Understand that there's uh, a price to pay for those things. And then, and then he tells us to receive with meekness the engrafted word, the word that, that has power in it, the word that has uh, promises in it, receive that word uh, with meekness. Open up your heart to it. And then he says, having received it, uh, verse 21, I'm sorry, verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word. So on the other side of telling us to receive the word, he says there's more than just receiving the word. There's an action or response that comes with that. He says, be therefore doers of the word. Now, I want to open by reading you a passage uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 16. Uh, and I want to give you the context of it because uh, it's important. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth because the church in Corinth had become hearers of the word, but they weren't doers of the word. And one of the markers, we're going to see in a few minutes, of someone who's a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word is that their, uh, their energy is placed upon the wrong things. 
And so the church in Corinth had taken all of their knowledge and they had become evaluators of people rather than executors of commands. And so all of a sudden, the major emphasis of the church was who are the best pastors, who are the best teachers, who understands doctrine the the clearest. And Paul wrote a letter to say, if that's where you're putting your energy, then you guys are wasting some time. And so that's the context of what he's saying. And so I want to read it to you. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. He says, For we are God's fellow workers. We're working together. He says, You are God's field. Now watch this. He says, You are God's building. You're a building. You're a building project. Now according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So if you have accepted Christ, then the foundation of the building is laid. He says, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, Precious stones, that's the first class of materials, wood, hay, or straw, that's the second class of materials. Now, one of those are precious, one of those are enduring, one of those are without value and are not enduring. He says, each one's work will become clear for the day (coughs) will reveal it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each man's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Now, uh, the fire, it could be the, the, the day of Christ when he returns and all things are known and we're known as we're known. The fire also, in the Bible, speaks of the trials, difficulties, pressures, and tests that we go through. And the strength of our faith, or the strength of what we're building, is revealed by our response to our trials and actions. If we buckle under the pressures, it reveals that we've been building with bad materials. We're going to see that again in a minute. But if endures, he'll receive a reward. Now watch this. He says, If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, so you don't lose your soul, yet so as through fire. Now he says this, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So you are the building. Okay, you're God's building. The foundation of Christ has been set in your life, and now you and I have been given the responsibility to build. He says, if any man build on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, that work is going to be revealed. But we've been called, we have the command that we have to build upon the foundation that's in our life. And we can build with what's going to last and what's good, or we can build with what's not going to last and not, is not good. Now, I want you to listen to what Jesus has to say about this very same thing. When you say, well, what does it mean to build? How do we build on our lives? What does that mean? Because we don't have a spiritual hammer. You know, there's no spiritual class. How do I build? What does it mean? Jesus explains this. Let's go to the source. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus says this. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. Oh, okay. Now we're getting somewhere. We're starting to understand what building materials are. And does them. So there's a hearing, and then that hearing is coupled with a doing. 
I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded upon the rock. Now, rain, floods, wind, and pressure. The beating. Rain, floods, wind, pressure. Those things are the trials and difficulties of our life. It could be the fire that Paul was talking about when he says that the fire will reveal what sort it is. Jesus is essentially saying to us that things are going to happen. Trials are going to come. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be tests. Water is going to test the, 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 uh, the, the, the roof materials. And, and will it withhold? Will it withstand? Wind is going to come and test the strength of it. Will it buckle and bend over? There's going to be pressure that's going to come. And if you're a doer of the things that he says, then when those trials come, you're going to be able to endure it. Now, on the other hand, he says, but... Whoever, who, who, everyone who hears these sayings of mine, that's what we're doing right now, but doesn't do them. They're not doers of the word. They entertain it, they understand it, but they don't act on it. I will, they will be like unto a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain, the floods, the wind, and the pressure came, same as the other person, but it fell, and great was its fall. So this, this outcome is very different. There's a fall, and not only is there a fall, but there's a great fall. And you know why it's a great fall? Because when you spend a lot of time building something, and then you watch it go down, that's an extreme disappointment. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and so I, anybody in here who's built, I see the smiles. You, you know, when it comes to nothing, or you have to do it again, or you have to start over, it is an extreme disappointment that comes. And so James tells us now that we are to be doers of the word because we are builders of our lives in conjunction with Christ upon the foundation of salvation that's been laid. And we are going to face things that are going to test the quality of what's been built. And James' desire for us, God's desire for us, is that what we build stands. And the way that that is done is very simple, that we are to be doers of the word. We're to be doers. So let's look at these verses uh, where he says, be a doer. Starting in verse 22 through 25, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you are a hearer only and not a doer, then you're self-deceived. You've deceived yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, then he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into, as, as into a mirror, the perfect law of liberty, that is the word of God, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So uh, an idle hearer is someone who is self-deceived, and there is a way that you can recognize in your own life if you are a hearer only of the word. And James is going to give us here, he's going to give us a couple of things that are going to help us to understand whether we're a hearer or a doer, because we can take the test and we can know. And so the first marker, and he gives it to us, of someone who is a hearer and not a doer. So how to identify an idle hearer? 
is that they are masters of deflection, but haters of reflection. He, he says that it's like someone who looks into a mirror. What does a mirror do? A mirror either reflects or it deflects. You can use a mirror to see what's in front of you, or you can use a mirror to reflect an image from one place to another. You can deflect it. So you can reflect or deflect. And, and someone who is a hearer of the word hates reflection, but they're very good at deflection. Now, the mirror is intended, when you stand in front of it, to reveal the whole truth. If you turn the light on and look in the mirror, you're going to see what's there. You might like it, you might not like it, but it is what it is, and the mirror doesn't lie. It's going to tell you the truth. I used to work uh, down in the city, you guys know that, and um, much of what I had to do was wait. I had to wait for delivery trucks. It was very frequent that we would sit either in a truck or in a, in a Starbucks or something, and we would just wait for a delivery to come. And I, I learned something um, by observation that one of the building codes uh, in New York City is that every storefront window, all the storefront glass in the entire city of Manhattan must be made out of truth glass. <laughs> and, and, and here's what I mean by that, is that I would watch people, you know, as they would walk down the road. And, 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 and inevitably, you would see people, they would come and they would get to right about where they were going to be at the glass. And the glass would go from one end of the building all the way to the other end of the building. And you'd watch them and they would suck everything in. And then they would look as they walked at themselves, what they looked like in their reflection that was coming. And it was without fail that before they looked, they would pull everything in, lift everything up, and then turn and see, and then give either the, the approval. Sometimes they didn't know that someone was on the other side, and, you know, and, they, and they were checking themselves out and that whole thing. But, but, but you see what they were doing is they didn't really want the truth. They wanted to see, they wanted affirmation. <laughs> you know, and so they would they would they would uh, uh, intentionally hide from the mirror the things that they didn't want to see, so that they could feel good about the things that they did see. Uh, truth glass, you know, they wanted to see what they wanted to see. Now, in verse twenty-five, James calls the word of God the mirror that reflects liberty or, or that produces freedom, but he calls it the law of liberty. The word of God is the mirror and he calls it the law of liberty. Because what happens is that as I look into the word of God and I allow it to reflect back on me, God's standard versus my performance, it reveals the gap that exists between those two things. And if I'm honest and I'm standing in front of the word, then I'm going to allow God's word to point out the flaw or imperfection of my life. And I'm going to have the desire or the attitude that I want to do something about it. And so there's an action that's associated. It might be repent. It might be ask God for his spirit to work in my life and change me. It might be that I need to cut some things out from being right in front of me so that I can uh, not be tempted in a way that I know I'm going to fall. I don't know what the action is according to what I'm going to see, but I'm looking into the word for the very sake of me being exposed, reflected, and changed. That's a reflector. Okay, I want to repent. And then I want to make an action. Now, uh, Thursday, I was here at the church. 
And, um, you know, I go through the morning uh, routine and the whole thing. And I thought, let me, I need to check something. So I went on my iPad and uh, looked something up. And what I found is that I wasted two hours looking something up. (laughs) And I went home and I just felt like trash. You know, not because I don't have the liberty to do that or didn't get everything done. I did, but I just didn't feel right inside. I don't want to do that, you know. So the next day when I came in, I had the option of either putting myself right next to that temptation again or putting it somewhere else in the building so that I could give myself to what I needed to do. That was the action, okay? So the revelation was I I knew there was a conviction. I knew I didn't use my time the right way, okay? Now, I could either just ignore that or I could do something about it. Now, this was a victory. That's why I'm sharing it with you. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't share it there if I lost it. I put, I put the electronics, even my phone, somewhere else in order to do the things that I needed to do. That's action. Okay, it's doing something about what you see or sense or are convicted about. Now, a deflector is something totally different. A deflector has the same mirror, but they don't stand in front of the mirror. They stand behind the mirror. And they use the mirror to deflect everywhere else. Like Archimedes' ship, you know, that mythological uh, story about Archimedes, you know, and he was trying to attack a port and he gave everyone on his ship a mirror. And when, when, when they came into port, they reflected the light of the sun upon the enemies on the land and it blinded them in such a way that they were able then to fight and get the victory in this whole thing. You know, there are many Christians that employ the word of God not as a source of reflection unto action and change, but as a source of deflection of how I can either make an excuse for my behavior or I can use it to make comparisons And I could say, okay, well, I might be flawed, but I'm not as flawed as that guy over there, you you know, to make comparisons and thus make me feel like uh, either something doesn't apply to me or I'm doing okay because someone else is doing worse or I could use it to reveal someone else's flaws, you know. And so I sit in in a message and I think, well, this would be a great message for so-and-so. Or I read a passage of the Bible and I think, you know, I really need to send this to so-and-so. Now, there is a time, obviously, and a place for that. I'm not condemning it. But absolutely, we can become deflectors of the word and we can deceive ourselves into thinking because we know something or see something that therefore we are automatically doing something. And that is not the case. We're deflectors of the word. I believe that anytime you get the Corinthian syndrome where your emphasis or your focus is upon the quality of churches, church leaders, church people, and not upon Jesus Christ, his work in your life, and are you doing what he's called you to do, you have become a hearer and not a doer of the word. You have become someone who is a, ref- a deflector and not a reflector, uses the word as a deflector and not a reflector. Criticizing other Christians, criticizing other churches, criticizing other ministries, criticizing other Christians for the things that they do or don't do, looking across instead of looking up and looking at your feet or looking in the mirror, you've become a hearer and not a doer. You're a master of deflection, but a hater of reflection. You're looking in the mirror, but you're not letting it do its work. Another, another mark of someone who's a hearer and not a doer is that their action lacks traction. If you look in verse 25 
uh, of James chapter uh, 1 there. He says that the doer of the word, they're the one that's going to be blessed in their deed. Now that stands to reason that the person who's not a doer, but a hearer only, they're not going to be blessed in their deed. Meaning that their life is going to be constantly frustrated Their purpose is going to be thwarted. They're not going to gain traction or gain ground in the things uh, that they're supposed to uh, doing. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't move because everybody moves. We're all moving. You can't stop the earth from turning. You can't stop time from ticking. You can't stop your heart from beating. All of us move. There's action, but their action lacks traction. Their moves are meaningless. Sometimes I, I play chess with my youngest son, Noah. And he's in the learning stage, so I'll coach him through. He'll, he'll make a move that is meaningless. It's a move. He's got a move, but it's a meaningless move. If he makes that move, it's a waste of a move. It doesn't help him. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't hurt him, but it doesn't help him. It's just a stupid move. Like, you've got to think a little bit longer about what you're doing. It's a wasted move. I go to the gym. I see a lot of people in the gym. Waste some moves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know there, there's action. There's movement. But there's no progress. You're not going to get anywhere that way. You, you, know, um, you know, so you can have action, but you can lack traction in it. Now, how do you know if, if your action lacks traction? Jesus said rain, wind, floods, pressure are going to come in your life. That's a universal fact for every single one of us, that we're going to face difficulties. What happens to you when those things come? Are you constantly buckling under the pressure of it, stopped in your forward progress, stumbled in your faith, or brought backwards when those things happen? Because if you are, then that's a sign that you're a hearer only, because it means that the strength of your building isn't strong enough to persevere through the difficulties that come. So I'll talk to someone who is under depression. Depression is something that is very common. Even people that don't struggle with clinical depression go through seasons of depression. And that can be very crippling. It can be very debilitating. It can be very difficult. But what do you do with it? Because God has given us something to do when it comes. It tells us that he's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. A garment is something that you use to cover what's going on underneath. It's a garment of praise, and it covers the spirit of heaviness. And that's something that God's given. So by faith, my action when I'm depressed is that I give praise to God in spite of how I'm feeling inside. Now, a hearer will say, well, I don't feel like praising. I don't believe that's going to help me because it doesn't make sense. And so I'm not going to do it. They're hearing, but they're not doing. And thus, there's no forward progress. There's no traction in what they're going through. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So I'm going through something, rain, wind, flood, pressure, and it's causing anxiety in me. There's stress rising up inside. Well, the Bible says, don't be anxious, cast it off, but instead the action is with prayer and supplication, so I'm talking to God about it, I'm pleading my cause, my case before him, and I'm giving thanks all at the same time, thanking him for his sovereignty and what he's doing in it. And I'm making my requests known to him. That's the action that I'm to do. Well, when the anxious situation comes into my life, it's my choice whether I'm going to be a hearer or a doer. Am I actually going to bring it to him in prayer? 
with thanksgiving make supplication or make my cause and request that he do something in my life? Or am I going to say, well, if God was really sovereign and really powerful, then he already knows I'm going through this. He already knows what he's going to do. So there's no sense in me talking to him anyways. That's a waste of time. No traction. You're not going to get anywhere. You're going to go in circles. You're going to get up and, and go to sleep every day, but you're not going to make any progress because you're not a doer of the work. You won't cast your cares. You won't pray and supplicate. You won't worship. It applies to anything where God tells us what to do in a situation, but we don't do it. We're going to do something, but we're not going to get traction. We're not going to be blessed. You're not going to be blessed in your work. But the person who does the work, they're going to uh, be doing it. Now, he goes on after verse 25, and he gives us uh, another way that you can know if you're a hearer or, or, just a, uh, or a doer or just a hearer of the word. And the third is, is that your ears will make it clear. Notice what he goes on to say in verse 26. He says, If anyone among you thinks that he's religious and he does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Okay? One of the greatest markers that can let you know whether or not you're a doer or a hearer only is what comes out of your mouth. Because there are more commandments and, and, and revealed things that God has said concerning what we say than probably any other area of our lives whatsoever. The power of life and death is where? That's right. We have the power to speak life and blessing, or we have the power to speak uh, darkness. It's very, very powerful. Jesus said, by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. The tongue is an amazing revealer of what's really going on inside my life. So what are some of the things that the Bible says about my tongue? The Bible says that I'm not to tell lies. So if I'm telling lies, then I'm a hearer and not a doer of the word. The Bible tells me that I'm not to be a gossip or a slanderer, which means that if I'm talking about other people that aren't present and casting any form of shadow on, on them at all to the person that I'm talking to, or any, any inkling of slander talking down on somebody, then that's an indication that I'm a hearer, but I'm not a doer of the word. If I'm complaining the Bible says, don't complain, don't murmur. If I'm a complainer, then that means there's some element in me where I'm a hearer, but I'm not a doer because he's told me not to complain. If I'm cursing or using foul language, the Bible says, let no unclean speech come out of your mouth. So if I'm still, if I'm still not fighting against that or asking God to cleanse that part of me and making effort in my life not to, then, then I'm a hearer of the word. My tongue is revealing what's really going on. The Bible says, don't be given to King James language, coarse jesting. Do you know what coarse jesting is? It's like the double meaning. It's like the, the, the quick puns. It's the cheap laugh, the dirty joke, you know, those quick little things. The Bible says I'm not to do that. And so my tongue reveals more about the condition of my actions than anything else in my life. What I say reflects whether I'm a hearer or whether I'm a doer. Your ears will make it clear. There's another way that you can know, James tells us, as he goes on, and that is that there will be no concern in a hearer for those that are afflicted. Watch this, verse 27. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. 
In other words, if I have no concern for the needs of those that are around me, then there's an element in me that I'm a hearer but not a doer because the Bible is very clear that we're to look out for the weak. We're to bear the infirmities of the weak. The Bible's clear that we're to look out and watch out for the poor. That's a theme constantly over and over again. When we see Jesus and the example that he gave, who did he go to? He went to the weak. He went to the incompetent. He went to those that had the greatest needs. He wasn't about those that had the most power but about those that had the greatest paralysis. That was Jesus. And that's how we're to be. And if we have no concern, and we're always looking up at those that are stronger than us, saying, wow, isn't that amazing, but never looking down at those that are beneath in the sense that they're less fortunate or more needy than we are, and we have no heart to help, then there's part of us that's a hearer and not a doer. And then finally, number five, is that there is no separation from the world. A person who is a hearer, but not a doer. Watch the last phrase in verse 27. He says, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. If I'm constantly drawn to, drawn in by, and affected by, and tainted by the world, its entertainment, its values, its culture, its, you know, treasures, if I'm constantly tainted by those things, and I'm not moving away from them, resisting them, accepting the conviction of those things, then I'm a hearer of the word and not a doer, and I can be self-deceived. One of the biggest errors that we can make as Christians is that we can think that knowing equals doing. Is that because I know something or understand something, that therefore I must be doing it. That's not true. Uh, Another error that Christians make is that we think sometimes that conviction equals action. And that's not true either. It's the first step, but it's not action. That because the Spirit of God reveals something in my life, even I might even repent of it with my mouth. Lord, I'm sorry that I'm this way. But that's just conviction. That's not action. We're to be doers of the work, and the result is going to be uh, in our lives that we're going to be blessed. Um, now, he gives examples of this, but we're out of time. Uh, so we'll do it next time (laughs) that's why we have next week right so uh, being doers part two next Saturday by way of closing rain floods wind and pressure are inevitable in our lives okay we're going to go through those things But if we're doers of the word, if we make it our intention to hear what, by the Spirit of God, James the Apostle is telling us, and we make it our intention that, Lord, I'm going to stand in front of the mirror and not behind it. I want to be a hearer, a responder, and a doer of the word. Then just that one single life attribute, if you can say, and and it's true, that you're a doer of the word, then what that means is that when the rain and the flood and the wind and the pressure come, you're going to stand. Because Jesus said that whoever hears my words and does them is like a wise person who built their house upon a rock. And when those things came, it says that the house stood. The rain is true, it's real. The pressure is true and real. But you're not going to cave and your forward progress is not going to be impeded by it. 
you're going to stand, and when the storm passes, you're, nothing's going to be missing. Nothing's going to have been taken from you. On the other hand, to be a hearer, you're constantly going to be in cyclical motions of, I'm doing okay, I'm not doing okay. I'm moving three steps forward, I'm moving two steps back. I'm moving four steps back. We want to be doers, we want to be strong, we want to be moving forward, and we want to have the attitude that I'm not afraid and I'm unaffected by the things that are coming. Now, I don't know what the 2020s are going to hold in terms of our uh, individual lives and the things that we're going through personally in our families or in our, our health or in our age or the stage of life that we're in. I don't know what the 2020s are going to bring for the church at large or the church in America. Are things going to change? Is the landscape going to change? Are we going to lose freedoms? Are we going to have to stand up for things that we've never really had to stand up for and that standing up for are going to cost us something if we do? Are we going to have to do I don't know. I don't know if that's coming or not. I don't know what 2020s are going to bring for the country. What might happen to us politically or geopolitically on the world stage? I don't know what things are going to happen economically in the 2020s. Whether or not things are going to affect it. Is, is there going to be recession or depression or maybe a collapse completely or maybe nothing? Maybe everything will just coast on. Everything will be just fine. I don't know that, but here's what I know. I know that if I stay in the word and that I keep my feet on the path and I'm a doer of the word, that none of those things matter. doesn't matter. What happens in my health or my family's health, what happens in my finances, my economy, my church, my Christianity, my freedoms, my liberties, my profession, none of it matters. I keep my feet on the path. I have the promise from God that if I'm a doer, then I'll be blessed. That my gold, silver, and precious stones are going to endure the fire that comes. Those things are going to reveal. The day, what day? Tomorrow is going to reveal it of what form or what sort it is. Doers. Let's be doers of the word, guys. Let's let the word reflect what we are unto change. Not hide behind it, deflect it. Oh, I'm better than they are. Make excuses. That doesn't apply. Am I a doer of the word? And the intent is our blessing. The intent is our strength. That's what God wants for us. Amen? Thanks for joining us for the Pastor Nick Santo podcast. To regularly receive these teachings, be sure to subscribe so you can get it automatically when it's released. If you find this material helpful, please share it and help us get the message of Jesus out to others. We also appreciate your feedback, so if you would, leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, or email us at pastor.nickpc at gmail.com. Until next time, may you continue to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus.